The Buccaneers still can't get the offense going without their top pass catchers and their makeshift offensive line. The defense looked to be in trouble early before keeping the Bucs in the game, but the comeback falls short. Let's go. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where some of our listeners and viewers are watching live right now. We thank you for making us your first listen or view of the day. I am James Yarko, flying solo on this episode, but of course you can check out David's work over at Sports Illustrated's BucksGameDay.com. I am at SBNationsBucksNation.com, and of course, follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DHarrison82. Again, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every day. Today's episode of Locked On Bucks is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money. On your entry, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's PricePicks.com promo code locked on. So the Buccaneers gave up more touchdowns in the first two drives against the Packers than they did in the previous two games combined. But it was the offense that had Buccaneers fans reeling. And look, the defense tightened up and played really, really well. But I think kind of the the top story of this game is the offense and its ineptitude. The Buccaneers are one of two teams in the NFL without a first-half touchdown this season. They could be the only one after Monday night's game between the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys because it's the New York Giants that are the second one. And the first thing that I want to look to is the problems along the offensive line. We knew protection was going to be an issue in this game against some of the Packers' pass rush. It's going to continue to be an issue until Donovan Smith returns, possibly until Ryan Jensen returns, though I think Robert Hainsey has played well. But Luke Gedeke is struggling. That injury to Aaron Stinney is certainly starting to show some some chinks in the armor there for the Buccaneers offensive line. And and the armor was already pretty depleted as it is. And and look, tip of the cap to Brandon Walton. He's doing the best he can, but he was the third stringer for a reason, right? So Brady's having to get rid of the ball extremely quickly. Plays aren't developing the way they normally do. They're not able to take those shots down the field that they normally do. Brady did take a a shot to the end zone looking for Brashad Perryman in the second half. You know, it was, it was an incomplete pass, but the offensive line and their protection of Brady has not been up to par. And I think if Brady knew about the offensive line woes and the injuries to the wide receiver room, he probably wouldn't have come out of retirement. This is not what he signed up for. And it's of no fault of his own. Injuries happen, and I guess you have to kind of look at it in the opposite lens of what we looked at last season, right? A lot of these injuries, a lot of these problems happened at the end of the season. 
If you're going to have these issues, it's better to have it in the early part of the season than it is to have them late in the season. You know you're going to get Chris Godwin back. You know you're going to get Mike Evans back next week off of the suspension. You hope that Donovan Smith continues to rehab and, and heal and he gets back on the field. You know there's an outside chance that Ryan Jensen returns. So some of these things are going to come back around and the offense is going to look more like the offense of old. But right now, you take a look at these weapons. No Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Julio Jones. You bring in Cole Beasley off the street who has three practices and he gets the first target of the game. And Beasley played as well as you would have hoped he could have played. Scotty Miller, not as many targets as he had against the New Orleans Saints. He did have the one target where he just barely didn't get that toe inbounds. There was a little bit of tugging on, on his jersey by the Green Bay corner on that play as well. But Cameron Brait finally getting a few targets. Kyle Rudolph got an early target on that first drive. But you can tell how badly this offense misses Mike Evans, misses Chris Godwin, misses Julio Jones, and really, really misses Rob Gronkowski. The, the Fox broadcast showed a graphic that Tom Brady is targeting the tight end six times less per game than he did last year. And I don't mean six times as in six X. I mean, he was targeting the tight end a little over nine times per game with Rob Gronkowski on this roster. Now he's targeting them just barely over three times a game. Now that's going to change a little bit with the six targets that Cameron Brake got, but Brady is struggling with these pass catchers. Scotty Miller's not bringing down the ball. We finally saw Russell Gage starting to get some things going. Brashad Perryman, he's kind of been up and down. He was, he was good last week against the Saints, had a big fumble, against the the Packers on Sunday. It's really, really tough. Mike Evans will be back against the Kansas City Chiefs. Todd Bull says he expects Julio Jones to return against the Kansas City Chiefs. But overall, this offense has been very, very vanilla. Outside of a double reverse flea flicker that they attempted where the ball was fumbled and led to a giant loss. Thank goodness Cameron Bray was able to recover that fumble. But it's it's been pretty standard, pretty vanilla. And I think the limitations are there because of the offensive line issues, because of the pass catcher issues. And it's the Buccaneers have to do something to get this offense going because they are getting ready to face a very angry Kansas City Chiefs team who lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Something's got to give. They have to get things going on the offensive side of the ball. But we're going to talk more about the plays of the game coming up in just a moment. But first, and forgive me for a moment, I, I don't have my producer here. Shout out to David. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they will score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you can watch, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, even disc golf and cricket. 
If you can watch it, you can play prize picks against the projections for that sport. You have safe and fast withdrawals currently operating in over 30 states and Canada. Just download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Price Picks is going to give you 100. If you deposit 50, 25, 30, 75, Price Picks will match your deposit all the way up to $100. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Thank you again for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or view every day. Appreciate all of you jumping in on the live chat. I see uh, Pete talking about with no Kate Otten, Walton struggled. That's that's a little bit true for sure. Uh, kind of a lack of use of Kyle Rudolph, in my opinion. He got that early target. And then we really didn't see him much on the field after that. And then, you know, Pete also asking, do you think we should have given White some more snaps at running back? Personally, I don't. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette was running as as well as he could. And I the the Twitter mentions for the Bucks Nation Twitter account consistently people complaining about the running on first down. They always run on first down. They don't gain anything on first down. I understand that they struggle sometimes running the ball, but Leonard Fournette is a good running back. A lot of times he'll turn nothing into something. And all those runs on first down sucked the Packers defense in, and they had a huge play action 25-yard gain to Jalen Darden because of that commitment to the run. So you have to remember, it's not always about that exact play a lot of times these plays set up something later down the line. Let's talk about some key plays and some plays of the game. My play of the game came early on, and it was from Locked On Bucks veteran and Locked On Bucks favorite Vita Vea when he forced the, the fumble by Aaron Jones at the goal line with just over two minutes left in the first half. That was a pivotal moment. That right there was the play of the game. The Packers had the opportunity to go up 21 to three with just over two minutes left in the half. And they were going to receive the second half kickoff without that fumble. That game is already over at halftime based on how the Bucks offense was playing. Now, could you make the argument that maybe the offense changes a little bit and, and the course of events change? You absolutely can make that argument. But I also believe that that forced fumble recovered by Logan Ryan in the end zone also helped turn the tide for the defense who was about to give up their third touchdown in as many drives to open that game. This is a defense that only allowed one touchdown throughout two games, and that one was in garbage time to Michael Thomas against the Saints. So I think that fumble not only kept the Buccaneers in the game, but it sparked the defense to play as well as they did throughout the rest of the game, keeping the Buccaneers in it. So since David isn't here, I'm going to give a bonus play of the game, and it's going to be the Russell Gage touchdown, making it 14-12, to 12, the Buccaneers having an opportunity to tie the game, which of course they didn't. 
with that two-point conversion. But there's 14 seconds left. It's third and goal. I thought the play action pass to Cameron Bray was a wonderful play call. It was the perfect play. You, you had him one-on-one, -on -one, just floated the ball a little too far. Otherwise, Cameron Brait is the one walking in with a touchdown. But you had Russell Gage in the middle of a lot of traffic. He adjusts his body in air, makes a spinning catch. I, I don't know how he held on to the ball. It was really, really impressive. I thought for a second it was going to go to the booth. They were going to review it, and that ball might have hit the ground. But Russell Gage finally getting utilized the way that I have been asking for him to be utilized the way a lot of Bucks fans are wanting him to be utilized because it's been frustrating. You, you bring in Russell Gage, you pay him all this money to come in and be your number three wide receiver. Now I understand they later on brought in Julio Jones and maybe it, again, I'll say it, maybe it's because of the injury that was hampering him a little bit, thought he tweaked it again. There was a play there and I believe it was the second half where Gage made a diving catch or a diving attempt and immediately grabbed that leg. I thought he he strained that hamstring and we weren't going to see him back. Obviously, he did come back. He was a huge, huge part of that touchdown drive. We're going to get more into that a little bit later. But he had more than double the targets of the next leading receivers for the Buccaneers. 13 targets for Russell Gage. Next on the list was a tie between Cam Brait and Leonard Fournette with six targets apiece. He averaged 7.3 yards per catch, even though his long of the game was only 15. They started to work him in more. Another big part of that was Russell Gage had the really bad fumble and he was beating himself up over on the sideline about it. Tom Brady goes right back to him. And, and that was a huge thing. And I, I think Greg Olson was the one that pointed it out on the broadcast. That first target, which was a catch by Gage, following the fumble was crucial. Russell Gage needed the opportunity to get the fumble out of his mind, get back in the game, and realize that he can put it behind him. He's going to be a focal point, And Tom Brady's going to continue to look his way. We didn't really see the same with Brashad Perryman after his fumble, which was, of course, the possession after Vita Vea forced the fumble on Aaron Jones. Going to take a look over at the chat now for just a second. We have Austin WDE2. Do you think it's time to cut Scotty, or is it too early to cut him? I think it's, it's too early. Now, for a lot of you, you remember, I didn't think he should have made the team to begin with. But the guy that I believe should have made the team is playing for the Houston Texans, and that was Tyler Johnson. I thought Tyler Johnson earned a spot on the team. Instead, the connection between Brady and Scotty Miller is what a lot of people kind of believe is what helped Scotty make this roster. But Brady trusts him, and he almost had an absolutely unbelievable catch. He had a couple of diving attempts last week on some, some you know, passes that weren't perfectly on target. If he brings in one of those two kind of bobbled drops on, on passes that he was trying to make a play on, I think the narrative on Scotty Miller is a little bit different today. So if you're going to keep him, keep him. 
We all know the threat that he brings with his speed. We just haven't seen the protection for Tom Brady to be able to utilize that very often this season. He did have that big catch against the Saints last week, but no deep targets for him on a you know on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to get more to the chat coming up in just a moment as I pass out the game balls following the Buccaneers' first loss of the season. So if you have a game ball that you want to hand out to one of the players, make sure you drop that in the chat. But first, Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Or if there's a car that you have your eye on and maybe you want a little bit of an extended test drive to really get a feel for it before you go out and buy one, Turo is there to make it happen. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. I have already booked my Turo. I needed something with four-wheel drive. I'm heading up to Ann Arbor in March, and I want something with that four-wheel drive because it's still a real good likelihood we're going to get some snow and ice in March way up in Michigan. So ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Wrapping things up here on a live post-game show following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' 14-12 loss to the Green Bay Packers. A little bit of a silver lining here before I get to game balls and uh, go back to the chat a little bit. Heading into this game, the Buccaneers were the only team that Aaron Rodgers in his career had fewer touchdown passes than interceptions against. Now, Rodgers opened up this game with two straight drives with touchdown passes. That gave him 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He doesn't have more interceptions than touchdowns anymore, but thank you, Logan Ryan, for evening it out. So at least it was 10 and 10. Let's go ahead and get to the game balls. The first one, that I'm going to hand out is to my overall player of the game. And it's a guy that I just spent a lot of time talking about. It's Russell Gage. 12 receptions on 13 targets for 87 yards and the touchdown on the final drive of the game, trying to give the Buccaneers an opportunity to tie it up, send it to overtime. With the way the defense was playing, I really truly had all the faith in the world that if that game went to overtime, the Bucs were going to win it. Kind of like I felt if the NFC divisional round against the Los Angeles Rams had gone to overtime, the way the Buccaneers had furiously come back in that one, the Buccaneers were going to win. Unfortunately, it was not to be. Uh, my guy Pete in the chat saying Gage deserved with some clap hand emojis. So, uh, shout out Pete. Thank you for agreeing with me. Uh, I always appreciate those that agree with me. My next game ball, I'm going to give this one out to Vita Vea. And it's because of that key forced fumble that I think triggered 
the Buccaneers defense to start playing the way we've seen them play in the first two weeks. Again, if the, if the Packers go up 21 to three, the game is over. It is beyond over. There's no crawling back in, into that one. Really, the Buccaneers were kind of lucky. They were able to put themselves in a position to tie it anyway because the offense is just, it's not good right now. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting some of David's thoughts on the offense coming up on tomorrow's show. But he also had Vita Vea, that is, also had a QB hit and a couple of tackles. Pete in the chat saying, why do you think the Blitz wasn't getting home? It's tough. It really is tough to get to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, he had less than three air yards per pass attempt in this one. He was getting the ball out of his hands very, very quickly on these short slants, these quick dump offs, these quick swing passes. He wasn't standing back there because of how much the Buccaneers pass rush got to him the last two times that they faced off. <clears throat> Excuse me. We did see rookie Logan Hall get his first sack of the season, uh, which forced the Packers to punt, and, and the Bucs were then able to take the ball down and score a touchdown. But that was a coverage sack. You know, the, the pocket was collapsing. The coverage on all the receivers was outstanding, and Logan Hall was able to make a nice spin move and get to Aaron Rodgers and, and sack him. But you saw Joe Tryon Shoyinka getting pressure. You saw Shaq Barrett getting pressure. There would have been a few more sacks uh, if it weren't for some holding calls that the Packers got away with, especially on that second touchdown drive. Back-to-back -back plays, Shaq Barrett was pretty egregiously held. No call. It happens. The Bucs got away with a couple, too. Um, my final game ball is going to go out to Logan Ryan. Fumble recovery, interception, no tackles, but two key plays. For the Buccaneers defense, they end up with two takeaways in this one. Logan Ryan credited with both. So, and and I know Jamel Dean had his interception, but Bucks got caught with 12 men on the field. So Rodgers was just heaving it, trying to make a play, knowing it was a free one, was able to put the ball in a little bit of danger, but it was a great break on the ball by Jamel Dean uh, to make that play. But the two takeaways that do count for the Buccaneers, giving them eight on the season, both go to Logan Ryan. Mike in the chat says the biggest thing that killed us was the penalties. The Buccaneers shot themselves in the foot a lot in this one. You had a false start call. It, it went against Walton. Worfs moved at the exact same time. You could have called it on either one. You know, you had the holding penalty on Brady's, uh, duck and run where he avoided a sack can make the argument that Tom Brady doesn't escape and, and run and pick up 18 yards on a scramble. If that hold doesn't happen, but for just as many Buccaneers penalties that were called, obviously there were some penalties that helped the Buccaneers out called against the Packers. You had, you know, the, the defensive pass interference that was called twice on Green Bay, you know, the, the latter one setting up first and goal from the three-yard line on that final drive. But the Buccaneers got away with a couple. The Packers got away with a couple. That's football. You know, you could, you could easily say that the Bucs should not have gotten the 
running into the kicker penalty because of the fact that the Packer player that was run into Jake Camarda was put there by a Buccaneer. Now, there was a Green Bay Packer lineman, I don't know his name, who was also pushing the player that ran into Camarda, but uh, you know that that penalty was a huge swing in the Buccaneers' favor because on the you know re-kick, they get flagged for illegal block in the back. So instead of starting already in field goal range in Buccaneer territory following the first punt, they start way back inside their own 35-yard line. It's just kind of the way things go. Pete, appreciate the shout out again. Love your show. Listen every day. Keep up the awesome work. Go Bucks! And yeah, David is going to be back tomorrow. We're going to dive deeper into this game. Uh, you just take a deep breath, just like I did. Take a deep breath. It's just one game. Yes, this game could end up with playoff implications down the line, but the Packers have not looked like a good football team through three games they they got boat raced by the minnesota vikings and then their offense has struggled every bit as much as the buccaneers have they're without sammy watkins for you know a couple weeks christian watson didn't play romeo dobbs looked outstanding romeo dobbs might end up being the better of their two rookie wide receivers but they haven't really been able to get the pass game going either up until today and it was really just in those first two drives, both quarterbacks started off. I think Brady didn't throw a, an incomplete pass until late in the second quarter. Um, Aaron Rodgers was nine for nine or 10 for 10 before he threw his first incompletion. The Packers are going to get some of their players back. The Buccaneers are going to get their pass catchers back. At least one, you're hoping for two or all three of those top three pass catchers against a very, very opportunistic, high-octane Kansas City Chiefs offense. Plenty to dive into with that coming up later this week, but we're going to finish our breakdown of the Packers coming up tomorrow. Again, want to thank all of you that are in the live chat that stuck with me on this solo postcast live show on YouTube. Shout out to all of you listening on your podcatcher of choice on Monday. As always, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen or view every day. Now, make your second listen, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you have thoughts or reactions to the game, of course, you can leave us a voicemail at 813-444-5841 or send us an email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. For David Harrison, I am James Yarko. Make sure you're checking out everything that I have going on over at BucksNation.com and make sure you're following everything on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at D Harrison 82. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire those cannons. Thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.